Sometimes at three in the morning when I'm thinking about basketball instead of sleeping because I'm a sociopath. I hear this agonizing scream. It was almost like the Wilhelm scream. I'm the hero that, that we need and deserve. It was just the culmination of the JR experience into one play. I should just record everything I say. Welcome to I've heard it both ways. It's a meditation ain't working. So I'm about to lose it. I'm caught up in my cranium. It's got me feeling quite clueless. It's a meditation ain't working. So Alright, well we jumped the gun a little bit on I'm um, saying the Bucks were gonna be in the finals, didn't we? Definitely. Uh, I, I'm definitely not upset about it, just because I was probably rooting for the Raptors, just because I'm a big fan of Kawhi. Um, and the only problem is, I think the Bucks were the best chance to beat the Warriors. I'm upset because I'm a dirtbag, first of all, and I <laughs> I've always uh, hated Canada, even though Canada has never done anything wrong to the United States or to me personally. Never had any problems with the Canadian, but I just I just hate Canada because I'm I'm a terrible person. So I was pretty upset. Um, See, but I feel like Toronto's an American city. It, it might as well be. Like we kind of we just need to invade Canada and extend the border a little bit. Like they couldn't fight back. They're, I guarantee they couldn't. Um, so yeah, I, mean, I guess that makes you feel on. a little bit better. One one question on that: If we invaded Canada and took that, would that be like New Quebec a state, or would Michigan absorb that? Um, well, that's a whole other can of worms because okay. I'm fairly convinced that the Upper Peninsula of Michigan doesn't actually exist, so I'm not really sure what they would do with that because gotcha. I'm pretty sure the Upper Peninsula of Michigan is a myth. Because I don't know if we want Michigan to like ruin Toronto. Uh, I don't know. I don't have any beef with Michigan, per se. We could, we could give it to Wisconsin or something. I don't know. See, I don't know if I trust them either. Anyway. No, I like this. Where, what do we do with it then? <laughs> These are important questions. I feel like we'd have to give it its own statehood just because I feel like every major state, every important state has like a main city. And by bringing in Toronto, um, New Quebec would get a get statehood because of that. It's technically closest to New York, but we can't obviously can't do that. Can't give it to Ohio. This is tough. We might have to kick somebody else out. I vote Delaware. And not nothing personal against Delaware. Like I don't. I don't like. I, don't, I hate when people trash on small states because it happens to Utah all the time. Actually, Utah's terrible. Nobody move here. Stay away. <laughs> uh, but like Delaware, like it doesn't have any pro sports teams. It doesn't have any like major universities. No offense, Fighting Blue Hens. Um, I don't know like what there is in Delaware besides like lighthouses. So okay. Delaware will probably just, you'll just have to get absorbed into New Jersey or Maryland or Pennsylvania. You can pick and then we'll have, yeah, we can have New Quebec and Toronto can be the, the, the big city there. I like it. I'm glad right. we solved that. Solved that. <laughs> Crisis. Anyways, <laughs> uh, but with that, wrapping up that series, um, my biggest takeaway is, oh my gosh, the Bucks still have, oh, Eric Bledsoe, a ton of money. <laughs> Bledsoe was so bad. And, and Budenholzer, I don't know what his deal was, like, you had to see, like, okay, George Hill and Brogdon need to be your guards. You can't play Bledsoe because he can't freaking shoot. And you don't lose yeah. that. Like, he's a better defender than, than Brogdon and Hill, but not by, like, not by enough to offset the terrible shooting. It was just terrible to watch him just throw up brick after brick <laughs> after brick. And the Raptors were like, yes, please shoot. That's what we want. Yeah, I think it was Chris Weber who said 
<laughs> who had his best announcing <laughs> quote of all time was like, when Eric Bledsoe knocked down his first three. He's like, that can't be good for the Bucks or something <laughs> like that. Because <laughs> he knew he, then Eric Bledsoe was going to take more and more shots. Yeah. Oh, it was just, that was tough to watch. Like, I, I like Bledsoe because anybody who can tweet his way from Phoenix to Milwaukee is a friend of mine. But, <laughs> oh, it was painful to watch. But I, he also did lose the battle to Terry Rozier, he got which smoked. should say something yeah, about Yeah, he got out, both out, outperformed on the court by Rozier and off the court with their, <laughs> their uh, little battle, which was quite entertaining. Um, but yeah, missed opportunity for the Bucks. I feel like, because I, I definitely think there's a world where they win that series. But So I guess really the main key for Milwaukee is these next two years, they've kind of built like a solid core. I mean, I think top to bottom, they're one of the best rosters outside of Golden State. Um, but these next two years... They can't cheap out and say, oh, we're just going to run it back, run it back, and then all of a sudden be left with nothing. They need to continually be ready to move on to the next the next move. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about that before on how you can't just be complacent. You need to be looking how to improve your team each offseason. Mm-hmm. And for me, the most interesting thing coming out of that series, too, was watching Giannis mm-hmm. just kind of – he just was trying to just, you know – batter through the Raptors defense which when you have Kawhi on you and then there was doubling him with like Gasol or somebody else every time he touched the ball the his inability to shoot was like kind of exposed I feel like in this series just be and his because he's a good passer but he's not a great passer yeah um so to me if I'm him I'm looking at that I'm saying okay I have to improve my jump shot at least a little bit and both the playmaking because in the Mm -hmm. playoffs like every any weakness you have is going to get totally totally blown out of proportion because teams can obviously scout more and once when toronto or excuse me when milwaukee couldn't get out in transition they couldn't freaking score because toronto just had those every single player just long quick good wingspans and it was just really frustrating to watch from a bucks perspective yeah i think it's definitely Giannis still has to develop his game in a lot of ways despite he's probably the mvp even recency bias may change that but it was a regular season. That's why I hate the NBA awards being like after the draft. Yeah, they mean they mean nothing at that point because like I remember when Westbrook won the MVP, it was like the last our last memory of Westbrook was, uh, and he wasn't quite as hated at this point. But our last memory of Westbrook was losing in five in the first round to the Rockets. Yeah, so it's like it just feels like our last memory is not the great regular season that somebody had it's the playoff failures exactly so when was the last time the mvp won the championship it was steph curry in 2015 probably yeah steph curry won in 16 lost in the finals and had a not great finals 2017 westbrook went out in the first round 2018 harden went out in the semi or excuse me conference finals so i feel like you don't want to win the mvp at this point Yeah, I feel like M- the finals MVPs are becoming... I mean, they've always been very valuable, but they become even more valuable just because the regular season means nothing with... The, the award season has become so far gone that really finals MVP is the only real award at this pretty, stage. Pretty much. Unless you're playing for a super max, then all NBA teams still matter, but they announced those early too. Although I'm, I'm okay with that being like a regular season award. Yeah. Moving on to the finals... Uh, one of the most interesting things I, I read, you know, in this week leading up to the, or this 10-day layoff or however long it's been, it feels like it's been forever since we had oh, basketball yeah. on, um, was how an advantage the Raptors might have is uh, Kawhi obviously has plenty of experience playing against Durant and, and the Warriors from being with the Spurs, but also they picked up Danny Green in that trade, and Danny Green, mm-hmm. again, has that same experience playing against the Raptors. How, like, do you think that makes that big of a difference, or are the Warriors just such a, 
you know, crazy animal to guard that won't matter. So I think Danny Green could play a major role in it just because the way the Warriors defense set up is Draymond is like slagging off his guy so much that he can help recover cover lanes. And I think that's why the um, Bucks had a great chance of being him just because they were surrounded by shooters. Um, if Danny Green starts knocking down threes or Siakam, who needs to knock down threes because Draymond will probably matched up against him, who see yeah, yeah I'm not afraid of Siakam as a shooter honestly. exactly like he was a serviceable shooter in the regular season but in the playoffs he's been awful mm-hmm. and I think that's really where the key is but Danny Green pretty much the whole Raptors team needs to be able to knock down open shots see and I'm, I'm if I was a Raptors fan I'd be worried because you know Van Vliet our guy Van Vliet shot like 70 percent on threes over the last three games of the series or something I don't see that continuing and then you look at who else can maybe knock down some threes, like Norman Powell. I don't know. Do you trust Norman Powell to make a lot of big threes? <laughs> Probably not. So I feel like... And that's why I think you have to expect Danny Green to step up because Danny Green's been terrible the two playoffs, the previous playoff series. True. And, and he's usually a... Well, he had, he had that finals for the, the 2013 finals where I think he broke a record for yeah. threes in a game. So he we, we know he can heat up in the finals. So I'd love to see a North Carolina boy do well on the big stage. Well, and the funny thing to me is, like, looking back, even when the trade happened, the quiet trade happened, I was like, wait, the Raptors got Danny Green too? Yeah. Like, Thanks. Spurs got fleece. <laughs> like, I know I, I, I know they had to trade Kawhi because they had no leverage and he was just going to leave, blah, 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 blah. But even just throwing Danny Green, it was like, wait a second. Why did you do that? You were already losing this trade. Don't make it worse. Exactly. And I think in the NBA, like, getting the best player in the trade – you are you always win, um, but there was no reason for the unless it was salary reasons. And say if it was to match salary, I guess that makes sense. But like there had to be somebody else because once you're giving away Kawhi, the the Raptors can't be like, well, you got to give us something else, I something get, to sweeten the pot because the pot is already sweet enough. Yeah, I guess it was probably they wanted Dejounte Murray, Bryn Forbes. They were deep in that position, but still, this looks it looks bad in in retrospect. Oh yeah, and, and I think it. It always was going to. There was no no chance the Spurs were going to somehow win that trade. True. So I'm thinking Raptors, or excuse me, Raptors. I'm thinking Warriors in five. What are you leaning in for this series? Um, just because I believe, I'm going to say um, Warriors in six. <laughs> okay. To me, the Warriors are just so much harder to defend than um, the Bucks Because the Bucks had, the Bucks strategy all year was literally just like, Wrecking ball Giannis surrounded by shooters. And mm-hmm. if you can contain Giannis's penetration and then a couple guys go cold, like forget about it. And that's exactly what happened to to the Bucks. But with like the, the Curry, um the Curry Green pick and roll, like you can stick Kawhi on Curry and shut him down. Um, which is what would be your that I feel like that's the best strategy they have because if you have Kawhi on Curry, you don't have to worry about getting destroyed by the Curry Green pick and roll, yeah. like the Rockets and the Blazers were. I think this is, um, we were talking earlier about how the Spurs matched up better with the Warriors when Durant was on the floor versus not. Um, I think that's because of the motion offense. Kawhi is able to, okay, I have Kevin Durant, and they're not able to um, be as fluid on offense. Well, well that's war- just been like a Warriors problem literally since the day Durant arrived. Yeah. They don't have, like, the rest of the guys don't play as well when Durant's in because... When every when you're even if you're not shooting every time when you're just getting a touch like every possession you're in the rhythm of the offense you're in the rhythm of the game it's easier to make plays make shots whereas if you're just watching Kevin Durant drop forty points it's effective because duh forty points but when it is your turn and you do have to make that shot you're not in the flow of the game anymore and it also makes the defense work harder 
while if Kawhi's if he isn't chasing Steph around screens, I think it's easier to just guard Kevin Durant one on one. You can see how destructive Kawhi can be to an offensive player. Actually, I watched a highlight reel of Kawhi just playing defense, and it was it was amazing. <laughs> it was breathtaking, which is crazy. Let's say if Kevin Durant does come back for the finals, would you just stick Kawhi on him and then take your chances everywhere else? I think you have to just because you take that away, and then it also takes less pressure off of the um, rest of the defense just because it's not as much of a fluid offense with KD on the floor compared See, to. See, I would almost stick. Siakam on Durant because with Durant I feel like length is almost a bigger issue than quickness because he's quick obviously for his size but Siakam is you know pretty good pretty good defender laterally and then he still has the length to bother Kevin Durant's shot at least somewhat and then you can stick uh you can either have Kawhi just you know contain the Curry green pick and roll or just have him follow Curry everywhere yeah so if, if the Raptors are going to have a chance in this series, like their defense has to be airtight. Uh-huh. And then offensively, I don't they just have to shoot the lights out, I feel like. Because the Warriors, I think, I think are better equipped to... They're just a smarter team defensively than the Bucs were. I think that's a good point. Is they, um, Toronto has to play great defense. I don't know if they necessarily have to shoot the lights out, but they have to slow the game down and make it more of a slugfest rather than this air raid offense. I actually kind of like Kawhi on Steph now that we're talking about it more, just because if you can somehow slow down Steph, who's kind of the head of that offense, then you're going to be able to control the pace of the game more, which is a which lot is better. Have to do, yeah. And if I'm on, if I'm the Warriors, do you, who do you have on Kawhi? Clay? Uh, and then Draymond was slagging off for help. No, I would because Kawhi's not a great passer. Like he's not he's not a great shot creator for other people. Um, because you can't be. He's literally perfect in almost every other aspect of the game. So you can't be perfect in everything. Obviously, yeah. I would just stick probably stick Draymond on him because if you can just make Kawhi work so hard for every basket and then just take your chances with the other guys, I feel like you can beat the Raptors relatively easily that way which is and that's exactly why i would put clay on him and then have draymond slough off because then Kawhi is not going to be able to make that open pass because i feel like um laterally Kawhi's a lot faster than draymond true that's true and then yeah if you have draymond Get but again I'm, I'm not i'm not afraid of Kawhi as a passer yeah so that's yeah so yeah so I'm we're, not, both cause, scouting, cause, we're both scouting for the same thing but just different ways <laughs> all right i think that concludes the Headlines of this week. Now moving on to our green content of the night. (laughs) Our main story. Um, This past week, Bill Buckner, the infamous Red Sox. 1986 World Series. He he played for the Cubs more than he did the Red Sox, but he's mostly remembered for his Red Sox days for literally one play. And a lot of people argue that, I've watched it like 50 times, a lot of people argue that even if he did field the ball cleanly, so he's, he's playing yeah. first base, uh, tie game, game six of the World Series. The Red Sox already blown like a three-run lead. Um, there's a soft grounder down the first baseline. It goes between his legs, rolls in the outfield. The Mets score the winning run. Mets went on to win the World Series. A lot of people think even if Buckner did field the ball cleanly, he wasn't going to beat, I think the guy's name was Mookie Wilson. Yeah. Wasn't going to beat him to the bag because the pitcher didn't cover the bag. It's a whole thing. But all anyone cares about is, oh, the ball went through Buckner's legs. Yeah. Well, and like Buckner was out there just because he, he necessarily he shouldn't have been out there just because he had bad knees. Mm-hmm. More of a ceremonial thing that he would be out there when they win the World Series, which 
goes to show why you can't, you have to take each out one at a time. So he will be, but he'll always be remembered as the guy who blew the World Series. Well, and the, the Red Sox fans gave him hell for yep. years. Like, even in 2000, so he threw out the first pitch of opening day in 2000, uh, 2008 after the Red Sox won the 2007 World Series. One of four World Series championships won by the Boston Red Sox this century. More than anybody else. Anyways, um, but I, I went on a tour of Fenway Park in 2014, and the tour guide, while well, you know, we were kind of gathering everyone together but at the start, he was just this classic cranky New England guy, and he's like telling some jokes, and then he goes, he goes, uh, Bill Buckner tried to commit suicide by jumping out into the, in front of a bus, but the bus went between his legs. And I was like, oh, okay, like, come on, take it easy. We've, we've won, at this point it was three. We've won three championships since then. We've tried to forgive this dude, even though he, pro- he has every right to hate us. Like, let's, let's get on with this. Yeah, well, and he, like, had to move to Idaho because the Boston faith were just so, like, ruthless to his son and stuff like that. So you feel bad for the guy who's probably a borderline Hall of Famer yeah, he if had, he doesn't get injured. He, he has had, almost 3,000 hits. Yeah, he has, like, 2,700 hits. And there's only... So he, if you look at the all-time list, he's, like, number 166 in hits all-time, which sounds bad until you realize there have been over 20,000 qualifying Major League Baseball players. So he's in, like, the top 5% of guys in hits. Yeah, I think in, like, that era of baseball, like, um, he was second only behind Pete Rose in hits. Which is crazy because Pete Rose has like 4,000 hits. Yeah. <laughs> Free Pete Rose, by the way. We are 100% behind unbanning Pete Rose. <laughs> Make baseball great again. So, anyway, <laughs> Buckner's um, death brought back athletes that are defined by a single moment, both positively and negatively. Like these are like guys that you wouldn't really have heard of if it wasn't for this one thing that happened. Yeah. And so we always start off with Buckner between the legs, the side of the spectrum. Um, Doug Flutie's, the Hail Mary and the Miami Miracle. Really, what, they went 47 to 45 to beat something, the Hurricanes. Something crazy like that. He was playing for Boston College because he really didn't have much of an NFL career. Like the only, no. mem- the only memorable thing from his NFL career was he made a drop kick, either field goal or extra point for the Patriots, like near the end of his career. He didn't really <laughs> accomplish anything other than that. Which is... And but he will always be remembered. Well, and that was uh, on NCAA football. They used to have uh, what do they call it? I had NCAA football two thousand five. Play like a billion hours on it. One of the hardest games ever because your receivers have hands of stone. But uh, <laughs> they had it was the Pontiac College Classics, and you you had to like reenact. Either you could play it from both sides. It was like sometimes you'd have to reenact a famous moment, so you'd have to throw the hail okay, mary, or sometimes you would have to like. Not for that game, but for a different game, you would have to prevent the miracle outcome. And that one was hard because you literally just have one shot. You just have to throw a Hail Mary and just see who catches it. And again, your receivers <laughs> have hands of stone, so it's really freaking hard. You just have to get lucky once. And with Boston College recruiting, it was probably pretty close. He had to put in the bread basket That's there. That's true. That was just bad defense by Miami, let's be honest. <laughs> Those are some good Miami teams, too. Yeah. Also, another thing... I don't think I've seen a quarterback wear a number, have a number in the 20s since then. I'll take your word for it. Although Michigan, I'm sure they do. But, (laughs) but like, I'm like 22. Gosh. They're usually like single digits. Yeah, usually single digits or like highest is like 18, Mm -hmm. you know? Well, Michigan had a, he was a converted wide receiver named Devin Gardner. (laughs) He was like number 98 or something or 99. So that was kind of weird. Yeah. That's beside the point. Next. All right. Now we'll go negative side again. Um, let's go to the most recent one. Vontae Davis. 
the Bills cornerback. This is kind of faded. Uh, like I don't know if people are going to remember this years from now. We will never forget it because we thought it was so funny. But and he, this, just, he retired in the middle of the game. Yeah, it wasn't necessarily like a single moment type of thing. Uh, I mean, it was a single moment, but not during the game. Yeah, it wasn't it like happened a play behind the scenes type of thing. Yeah, but it was just so fascinating because like to retire in the middle of the game, like you're still getting, you're still supposed to be playing, and you just <laughs> nope, I'm done. It was just and fascinating. Like, and it was really early in the season, too. So after, like, all the training, spring training, summer workouts, you know, all, the whole rigmarole. And, like, he wasn't injured as far no. as we know or anything. He just, like, he just I'm, I'm done. Hung the cleats up at halftime. Another positive, we'll go college again. Um, Christian Leitner. The pass by Grant Hill, the turnaround jump shot. Over Kentucky. Over Kentucky, which is the only redeeming quality about that shot. <laughs> Because Leitner, he was he was technically on the dream team, although I don't know if he actually contributed anything. Because how could he? Yeah. Um, didn't really have a memorable NBA career at all. See, the, this is the thing with Christian Leitner. I think he had such a great college career that like he averaged probably like seventeen points over his career in the NBA. But no, no one remembers. But it. no one remembers. No one cares. No one cares. And. The, Anytime you think of college basketball, you'll think of the Christian Leitner shot, though. Or even, like, it's on every March Madness reel for yep. till the end of time. Another negative, we'll stick with basketball here, Nick Anderson. Nick the Brick. Nick the Brick had four free throws to pretty much seal game one against um, the Houston, Houston Rockets. Rockets. in 95. 95, you would know the years better than I would. Um, missed the first two free throws, got the rebounds, and then missed three and four. Just and insane. then Kenny the Jet Smith gets the rebound, calls a timeout, and they the rest, win is, the rest is history. Yeah, three. See, and, I, and that was such a good Magic team because you had you had Shaq just like just almost coming into his prime. You had pre-injury Penny Hardaway, who was way cooler than anybody remembers. <laughs> Nick Anderson was a really solid player. Like that was, they just could not recover. I th- honestly think if he, they were so stunned. I think if he makes those free throws. Atlanta, excuse me, Orlando ends up winning those finals. And that's because I hate the Rockets. Like, I can't stand <laughs> the Rockets. Like, they have this dude. No one even knows him outside of Houston. His name's Vernon Maxwell. Talks so much trash on Twitter. And, like, he was just, like, a hustle role player guy. And, like, he would take that <laughs> ring away from him. They wouldn't have the two in a row. Ugh. Come on, Nick the Brick. Penny Hardaway was really Penny good. Hardaway oh, was my goodness. so sick. See, and, I, and I've watched a documentary on Penny Hardaway. Oh, my gosh. What a play. Oh, he's just playmaking, athleticism. Wasn't a great shooter, but he it was good enough. Ah, and I'm really excited about seeing um, Penny Hardaway as the coach because Memphis has, like, number, the number one, one recruiting class. class. Yep. And what's funny is he's already beefed with a bunch of other coaches. Uh-huh. And so, ah, it's good TV. And Memphis is getting some dope Nike player edition sneakers. Oh. So I'm always so I'm always interested those, in that angle. You can have those guys at the recruiting board. Oh, for real? No, they, they've had some dope shoes come out. <laughs> we'll go with football. Um, the kick six. Some will some will live in infamy. Some will live in heroic. Chris Davis catches the. I can't remember. It was like a 48 yard field goal. Like it wasn't. Uh, it was, was, was kind of wild. I think it was like 52 or something. 52, but you got to okay. remember, Alabama's kickers are the worst in like all of football. <laughs> <laughs> at any level. So really, a, like a 50-yard field goal for an Alabama kicker might as well be like an 80-yard field goal. And I remember my brother, we were watching it down, uh, whatever, it doesn't matter. We were watching it, and he's like, he's saying like, he could run this back before the kick even happened because we figured like, yeah, he'll probably miss it. It's just if he'll miss it long, or not long, if he'll miss it long enough to get out of the end zone. And then as soon as he caught it, like, 
the camera was already behind the goalpost, and so you could see, like, holy crap, like, Auburn's setting up a run back, <laughs> and I, I despise Alabama with my entire soul, so that was one of the most exciting sports moments I have ever seen. Yeah, I mean, if I was an Auburn fan, I would have lost my mind. I just watched that the other day, and it's like, that's it's, just one of like the most incredible those, It's like, wait, that still, did that actually happen? Did I actually see yeah. that happen? And then he's never been heard from since. Like I don't, I don't know. If, I don't even know if he played another game for Auburn or if he was a senior. I don't know if he's in the NFL. I don't care enough to Google it. Yep. But love you, Chris Davis. All right. Speaking of kickers, we'll go to the <laughs> we'll go to the NFL. The New Orleans Saints kicker John Carney. This is one that we just recently discovered. <laughs> but incredible play. The Jaguars were up. This, this is just a bonus one because no one knows who Chris Carney is. He's probably not like a Saints Carney. or exactly. He's <laughs> not like I was. I was thinking of Chris Davis still. But yep. if you're not like a Saints or Jags fan, you probably don't even know this happened. Yep. So the Saints make this incredible play. Um, throw like a thirty yard pass, then the four laterals score the touchdown. Ended up being like an eighty yard touchdown. With probably no, with like no time left. And they have an extra point to win the to tie the game, send it into overtime. And John Carney, who hadn't missed an extra point all year, shanks it. <laughs> right. And you just see this, hear this agonizing scream. It was almost like the Wilhelm scream <laughs> of the, by the commentators. <laughs> and it's just over. And John Carney loses. See, and I, I don't think it was a, like a Saints exclusive broadcast. Like they, no. So there, shouldn't have, there weren't like Saints hometown commentators, right? Not that I could tell. Can we get, can we get the audio in there? Let's along the line for the Saints to stay alive pending the extra point by John Carney and he missed no! <laughs> he missed the extra point wide right oh my god how could he do that this one is over as John Carney misses his first extra point of the season so it's the it's the color commentary I guy I think because he <laughs> yeah. he's the no, <laughs> but then the other dude goes oh my and he's like guys they typically don't swear on TV so it's like you get that and you get how could he do that like he did it on purpose or something oh it's just it's wonderful that's yeah. an extremely underappreciated moment in sports history I mean the range of emotions there if you're a Saints fan from oh man utter elation to complete despair <laughs> um, we'll stick with football positive. I mean, you can kind of tell with all these positive, with all these football ones, one fan base is extremely happy, the other isn't, um, just because Malcolm Butler's picking the end zone. If you're a Seahawks fan, you should have given to Marshawn Lynch, as everyone has now stated. But Well, the, the crazy thing about that play is when you when you watch that sequence of the plays leading up to it, you had the, the Seattle receiver, yeah. it doesn't matter, with that juggling, bouncing catch on the sideline. Um, and then the very next play, Lynch, every single time they hand it off to Lynch and he breaks through the hole at the line of scrimmage, I expect him to score. Because, like, your brain is, like, looking at, okay, here we have the Patriots defenders, here's the ball carrier, like, oh, he's probably going to score. And every time I watched it, he still doesn't score, which amazes me. And so if you're watching that and you don't know what's happening, you're thinking, like, oh, well, that almost worked, just give it to him again. And they didn't. <laughs> and then even when you watch the play, like, Butler just comes flying out of nowhere which is a perfect metaphor for his career because no one had ever heard of him before. And the most, the only like notable thing that's happened to him since was when he didn't get played against the Eagles in the Super Bowl. 
and turns out that was the right call because he did absolutely nothing in Tennessee the following year. Although none of the Eagles, or excuse me, none of the uh, Patriots defenders could do much that Super Bowl. Thank, <laughs> thank goodness. And then back on the negative side, um, we have another recent one that I think hasn't really cemented as the, we'll remember this player for that. Um, I'd say there's probably two possibilities we'll remember this player for, either him being shirtless in the streets of Cleveland <laughs> and then not knowing time, score, and possession in the finals. The Henny God, J.R. Smith. That, that is the man. I mean, George Hill didn't miss a free throw. See, that's the thing is George Hill got off like kind of scot-free. <laughs> Like he had he had a free throw to win steal game one of the finals. I'm fairly certain the Warriors would just win that series in five or six, whatever. But we'll still game know. one and you have a chance. Yeah, exactly. Know? I mean, just like Nick the Brick, if they still game one, maybe they don't get swept. Pretty much. So it's just I remember Hill misses the free throw and J.R. Smith like Kevin Rand didn't bother to box out I think Kevin Rand expected everyone expected him to make it because Kevin Rand yeah. just kind of like he took one step into the lane and then he just like stood there and J.R. Smith gets it and <laughs> it would have been like if Kevin Durant reacts quick enough it's a tough shot because you got to get it over Kevin Durant but at the same time you're like three feet from the rim so it's really not that tough of a shot yeah but then he just takes off for half court he just takes off and it was just in the moment it was so perfect because like we know J.R. is that Yes, he's extremely talented, but he's also kind of a bonehead. And it was just the culmination of the JR experience into one play. Yeah, and the LeBron meme will be that oh, has been immortalized. That, yeah, that one hasn't been in use as much lately, but that's one that, to me that you can use that in so many situations. It's great. Yeah. And then since we're such positive, non-pessimistic people, we want to end oh, on speak, a speak for yourself. <laughs> we want to end on a high note. Um, and none other than Big Shot Bob. See, that's a low note for me because I love those Kings teams so much. But they blew it. They definitely did. And Kobe had a shot. Then Shaq had a shot. Was it Chris Webber who tapped it out? And I don't even just know. Right into Robert Lowry's hands. I've tried, I've tried not to watch it. Like some sort of, it was destined to be, and he just knocked down and gets one of his six rings. I he, I, doesn't he have seven? I'm fairly certain he has seven. Does he have seven? Oh, he, yeah, yeah. He no, has, you're right. Because right. he has the most of any non, like, Bill Russell Celtics. Yeah, you're right. Which you're is right. crazy. Like, he just played contender roulette. He was on good teams. Like, he wasn't that good of a player, but he was on good teams his entire career. He was one of those key role players. I mean, before play, all the player mobility, Robert Ory already had it figured out. Yeah, Robert. He was just he way was ahead of Jason. He was way ahead of the curve. rookie contracts. <laughs> oh, big shot Bob. So we're we're a day behind because we we took Memorial Day off. Well, I did. I think Kendall was still out getting the bread or whatever the kids say. Um, but I noticed something. Uh, my family went. We went down to the cemetery. Um, we took we took a we always take a picture on Memorial Day on my grandparents' grave. But the funny part is my dad's parents aren't actually dead yet. They have but they have a grave <laughs> like a grave marker with their names and their kids' names on it, and then it has the years they were born, but there's no year they were you know they died because thank God they're still alive. Um, so we take a picture and we're leaving, and it's Memorial Day, so the cemetery's super crowded because duh. Yeah. And there's this one jackass in a you know small old beat up SUV with a University of Utah sticker on it. I just want to make that clear. Uh, and he's just cussing out everybody. He's like, it's my turn, move. He's trying to drive out of the cemetery. The cemetery streets are super narrow because it's not made to handle that much traffic. And I'm thinking like, man, there's got to be a way. He's just yelling at everybody. I'm thinking there's got to be a way to like make these assholes pay. There's got to be like a system 
of justice for jackasses. <laughs> and I was thinking, I was like, okay, if I ever get super rich, this is a reason to, to uh, get behind us because you need to, you need to help us make this happen. I want to just get like a beater car that you can just drive around and just like door ding people with. Like if I was driving behind that guy and he's yelling at everyone, I'm just going to bumper tap him. <laughs> and then if my car's not insured, then there's nothing he can do about it. I think. Yeah. But justice for jackasses. It's going to be my foundation. If uh, I get rich. Just go around like people are, you're cutting someone off on the freeway. I will follow you and you park at the grocery store and you go inside and I will, I will key your car or I will wait for you to pull out of your parking spot and then I will cut in front of you and we'll be in a little wreck and I'll be rich. So I won't care and you'll get screwed. I feel like this is an origin story of a superhero happening or a supervillain, depending on which side you're on. No, cause it's, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm, it's, a bit, I'm bat. I'm basically jackass Batman. It's, <laughs> it's you're doing what the people will never do. Exactly. What the people are, are don't too, have a stomach for What the people are too afraid to do. I'm the hero that, that we need and deserve. So I'm about to lose it. Caught up in my cranium. It's got me feeling quite clueless. I've heard it both ways. 